0: You know, we've been talking a lot about freedom today. We've been talking about freedom. We want to be free, and uh, we've experienced freedom in God and all these kind of things. What is freedom? I I mean, what is it? What is it really? I mean, our culture and even the dictionary says that freedom is the ability to be able to do, think, feel what we want to do when we want to do it. Does that sound like freedom to you? Maybe it does, but I'm telling you, it doesn't to me. See, there was a time in my life when I would have told you that I was free. I would have told you that I was free. And the reason is, is because my life prescribed to the definition I just gave you. I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And I would have told you that I was free. But really, all that I was doing was living out my basest desires was living at a quest for instant gratification in my life. And even though I thought I was free, really, ultimately, I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner to my own desires. I was a prisoner to, to a, a, a life trapped in instant gratification, man. I was a prisoner to whatever thought just happened to jump in my head or whatever thought that the idiots around me would put in my head. I was a slave to that. I was a prisoner to those things. And so ultimately, when I tell you that I've found freedom in Christ, for me, that's not the ability to do what I want to do. For me, the freedom that I've found in Christ is the ability for me not to do what I want to do. But really, that's not a great definition of freedom either. See, real freedom is so much more than that. As I prayed for this message this week, God showed me what freedom is. Freedom is the power to do or to not do. And that's it. Freedom is the power to do or to not do based on what is true. And once we find out what's true, it gives us something that we can pursue. But I'm here to tell you that you won't find truth in yourself, and you won't find truth going through the airwaves in the media that you look at every day. And you won't find truth in any kind of secular world. The only truth that you will ever find in all of existence is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. See, he is truth. He is the truth, and he is the life. And those who the Son sets free are free. Because that's the only place where we can find real freedom. Because freedom is the power to not to do based on what's true. And he's the only truth that there is in the universe. And once we get lashed onto that, then we can truly become free. We can truly become free. And it's that kind of freedom that I want to talk about today, the power to do or to not do, because there's some things in your life you need to be doing. And there's some things in your life you need to not be doing. And the only way that you're ever going to find the freedom to be able to do what God wants you to do and to be able to be who God has designed and desires you to be is in Christ alone. There is no other way, there's no other path, there's no other truth in the universe besides that which we find in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to be free today. I mean, I want to be free from the chains of, of addiction, and I want to be free from the, the, the expectations that people have put on me, the ones that i put on myself. I want to be free from the world. I want to be free from a legalistic worldview. I want to be free from all the pressures and anxieties that the world I want not be free from all those things. And I'm telling you here today, there is only one place where I can find that kind of freedom. Only one place. If you would stand with me today for the reading of God's word, I'm in the book of Luke in chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And the Bible says this, Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were over, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are, say, if you are. If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written, man must not live by bread alone. You know, Matthew 3 goes on to say, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's from the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 6 or 8. Um, So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone that I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Say him only. Say it like you mean it, say him only. So he took him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the from here for it is written he'll give his concerning you to protect you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone and jesus answered him it is said don't test the lord your god say the lord your god come on after the devil had finished every temptation he departed from him for a time lord today i pray you open this word up to us God, I pray you open this word up to us that it won't stop in our mind, that it'll penetrate our hearts and then be lived out in our hands and our feet. God, I pray today that you'll fill us with the spirit. God, today I pray you'll lead us wherever you would have us to go. God, I pray that you will just forge us and... and shape us and guide us into being the people that you've called us to be and I pray that we would use the example given by your son in order to serve you and you only to worship you and you only to not test you because we trust you and to live not by the things of this world but by every word that has ever will ever come out of your mouth oh Lord Jesus in your name we pray amen and amen let's give him a shout of praise this morning come on on come on let's go back to last week real quick you can be seated jesus comes down to the jordan to be baptized he goes into the water he comes out of the water the holy spirit falls on him from heaven and fills him up do you know that's the same thing that happened to you when you gave your life to christ the heavens open up the holy spirit descended and you were filled with the spirit The same spirit that lives in you is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. If you're a saved, born-again believer, the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and lives in you right now. Right now. Now, if you're not saved yet, just know that that power, that spirit is available to you right here, right now, and there's nothing standing in between you and God but you. That power is available to you. But Jesus was dunked in the water, man. The spirit descended on him and filled him. And then the the God, uh, the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And his identity was proclaimed to the whole world. It's already been stated who he is. He's the son of God. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. His identity was stated. His favor was proclaimed. All these things have happened. The same thing happened to you on the day that you gave your life to Christ. Your identity was cemented in him. He proclaimed who you were. This is my child in whom I am well pleased. This is Crystal, my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. This is Hannah, my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. This is Jeff, my son, in whom I'm well pleased sometimes. This is Josh, and my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Please, your identity was cemented. It was proclaimed. Hold on to that for a minute. And then Jesus comes up out of the water, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he got to go on a vacation, right? And they had a party for him to celebrate his baptism and gave him a Bible with his name on it, right? No? None of those things? No. He came up out of the water, was filled with the Spirit, and was immediately led into the wilderness. Into the wilderness. He didn't get to take a day off. You know why? Because the devil don't take a day off. See, the enemy don't have a Sabbath day. The enemy don't rest. The enemy's always trying to destroy you every moment of every day. Jesus had to go to work. Jesus got up out of the, out of the water and he was led into the wilderness. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk into the wilderness where I don't get to eat for 40 days and then the enemy comes from every corner and tries to destroy me in every possible way with every possible temptation and then through me destroy the rest of the world. That is not how that song goes, is it? But it should be. Because let me tell you this. Before you can walk on water, you've got to walk through wilderness. Because that's where we're Forged. That's where we're tested. That's where the power of God comes alive in us is in the wilderness. You know, stuff doesn't grow on the mountaintop. Stuff only grows in the valley, can you say amen? See, uh, uh, when you, when you, iron, when you uh, uh, mine iron ore from the ground, you can't just take a, a piece of metal that you find in the dirt and use it as a weapon. You're gonna lose because it's brittle and it won't do you any good in a fight. See, they have to take that metal and they have to put it in a fire, in a forge. And they have to heat it up real hot. And then they beat on it for a long time until it gets strong. And then they're able to take it and use it for the purpose that it was intended to be used for. That's you. we got to walk through the wilderness before we get to walk on water. The Bible says that Jesus was sent into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. See, he was tempted the whole time. See, some people think it's just these three things that happen at the end is the only time he was tempted. No, 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 no. In this case, the whole time that he was out there, the first way that he tries to get him is through his body, is through his flesh. It says that he didn't eat, that he fasted for 40 days, and the enemy comes to him. And it says that Jesus was hungry. Let me tell you about fasting. I know some of y'all have probably never fasted before, and that's okay, we'll get there. And some of you, the first time that you ever fasted was last year in November when I called a church-wide fast for our families, a moment of a day of fasting and prayer. Some people shared that was the first time they ever fasted, it was an incredible blessing for them. And then I know some of y'all fast like all the time, every week, like you fast for weeks at a time, probably fasting right now. And, and that's cool. And then there's probably all kinds of people like me that are somewhere in between. But let me tell you about extended fasting a little bit. So if you go on an extended fast like we're talking about with Jesus here, so the first day, the first day is easy. And this is why the first day is easy, because the day before you went to two buffets and ordered pizza at midnight. Yeah, because it was 11.59 and you were like, yeah, I know. Right? So I'm like, it's 11.59, hang on, give me some water, I'm still chewing. And so the first day is easy because I'm still cruising on the calories from yesterday, right? And so it's easy. First day's no problem. I'm good. I don't have to eat nothing. I'm solid. Second day, though, especially if you ate a bunch the day before the first day, second day is hard. Second day, your belly starts grumbling and mumbling and groaning. And when it gets to be the time that you normally have set aside to eat, you want to eat. And it's hard. But you can willpower through it, right? You just Just grit your teeth and make a fist and you're good. Don't have to eat. Now, I don't know. Some of y'all may be different, but for me, the third day is the hardest. Because the third day is the day that I want to quit. Or the day that I want to sneak and eat something and not tell nobody. Or the day that I want to go to the Chick-fil-A, because that's the Lord's chicken anyway, right? It It doesn't count. Or I'll be like, hey, honey, can we take communion like eight times today? Third day's hard. Third day's really hard. You'd be hungry on the third day. I mean, I'm so hungry, so hungry. But if you make it through the third day, the fourth day is easier. And then the fifth day, you don't even really want to eat anything. And then the sixth and seventh days are the same. It's fine. It's food is really not, it's really not that important all of a sudden because that's what fasting does. It puts things in priority. And all of a sudden, you've put God as your priority and the things of the Spirit matter to you more than the things of the flesh in this moment, right? And you feel like this like spiritual superhero, It's like I don't even need food I just live by every word that comes from the mouth of God I draw my essence from him and him alone And that works really good until like a couple weeks go by right And then all of a sudden the hunger comes back And when I say it comes back I mean it comes back with a fury Because all of a sudden you're like panicky hungry Like it's not just you're hungry all of a sudden Like you see somebody the pork chop and you're like I fight you Two dogs that are fighting over a bone out there, you know what I'm saying? You see somebody with a pack of M&M's, they're death, right? Do do you know why that is, though? Because you're dying. Because you're you're dying. I mean, after you haven't ate nothing in a couple of weeks, you're dying. I mean, you really are. You know, you've used a lot of your fat reserves, which I probably should fast extended right now for a time be fine but at that point you're dying and so so I'm telling you all this to to give you a a view of where Jesus is right now he has not eaten a bite of food in 40 days he's dying he's been out here in this wilderness for 40 days like he's near the extent of what a human body can endure he's dying and so when the enemy comes to him and says, if you, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread, he wants to really bad. He wants to. I need you to understand how bad that he wants to. Do so you think you've been tempted before? Imagine not eating anything for 40 days and having all the power in the world to make those stones into bread. Well, he, you know, didn't even need to snap his fingers. He's more powerful than Thanos ever thought about being. He doesn't even have to snap his fingers. He just has to think that they're bread and they will be. And 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 yet, he doesn't. He, he, he doesn't, but he wants to. Now, some people say that Jesus was incapable of sin. If he was incapable of sin, then he couldn't be tempted. I need you to understand that he was very capable of sin. He had free will just like me and you. He could have chosen to do that. He could have, and he wanted to. The enemy attacks his identity when he's at his weakest moment. Maybe the same thing has happened to you. Maybe the enemy has attacked your identity when you're at your weakest moment. If you are the son of God. If you are. Now, a voice came from heaven and said that he was. But now this little whisper in his ear says, if you are. Have you ever heard that whisper? Man, it happened to me a couple of months back. I, I was here at church and I just had a really bad day. You know sometimes this ministry is hard and and some of you guys that that just come and see it may seem like it's easy what we do and and some days it is you know today's been an easy day Uh, today just kind of all flowed together like it's supposed to some days it's incredible and now (laughs) some days it's incredibly hard and this was a hard day nothing was working right the technology was all you know flabbergasted and you know people called in and didn't show up for their positions where they're supposed to be and you know we were you know had some you know just turmoil going on and the enemy was just attacking from every side it was one of them days and and the whole thing was stressful and the whole thing was hard and then right before I went on to preach Brent was leading the offering I remember and I went out to grab a bottle of water from the you know from the coffee bar right right before I came up to preach and then somebody caught me about right like right in front of the ramp that goes up to the kids area with some kind of drama I mean, just some crazy drama, like, you know, literally a minute and a half before I have to preach, and just laid it on me. Please don't do that, by the way. It can wait, all right? It can wait. But they jumped me with some garbage right here, and then I didn't react well. We'll just leave it at that. I didn't react like probably a, a Christ-centered leader should react, and, uh, and it affected my sermon when I finally got in here to preach. I didn't preach well. You know, things kind of fell apart. You know, during the, the in-between services, I was trying to fix the problem that had come up and, you know, got got kind of distracted and messed up during that part too. And then my second service sermon, again, was not not what I wanted it to be, you know, didn't go the way that I had, had planned or what I, I didn't, I wasn't able to communicate what I felt like God wanted me to communicate very well, because so I was very frustrated. And then immediately after church, I had to go do another ministry thing, which also got frustrating, and it was just this whole just turmoil-filled, strife-filled, chaos-filled day. And... I finally made it home, and when I made it home, I finally got to sit down on the couch, and then Logan came up to me, and he was like, Dad, my computer's messed up. I need you to fix my computer. And so I yelled at him, told him to leave me alone, right? And then my wife came in there and then was talking to me, and me and my wife got into it. And so there was a separation, you know, a distraction that, that was caused there. All of a sudden, I was in there by myself, and I've had this terrible day, and I'm sitting on the couch, and everything finally got quiet, and I heard this voice. And it said... Quit. Quit. He said, if you were called to this, things would be easier. He said, if you were really called to this, if this was really where you were supposed to be, things wouldn't be so hard. If, if you were really supposed to be doing this and, 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 you know, leading this and doing these things, then it would be better than it is. Quit. And and I'm not going to lie, it seemed really attractive at that moment. It seemed really attractive to quit. And then the voice got louder. Then the voice got louder and it it said, you know, ultimately it would be even better if you really weren't here at all. Better for everyone. Everyone better for the church, better for your family, it'd be better. And I was like, whoa, that escalated quickly. And so I just got on my knees and started praying. got on my knees and just started praying and just started asking God, man, who am I, Lord? Who am I? Who am I? And he reminded me immediately that I am who he says That I am and I will always be who he says that I am not who the world says I am not who the enemy says I am not even who I think that I am sometimes get all messed up but I am who he says that I am his son in whom he is well pleased and that's what I feel like today so give God some praise for that But let me tell you this. I'm telling you that so I can tell you this, that that's who you are. Maybe you've heard the same voice. I want you to understand what the enemy sounds like. I want you to understand what he sounds like in your life. If you were a child of God, you wouldn't be having these thoughts. If you were a child of God, you wouldn't have made that mistake. If you were a child of God, you wouldn't still be going down that road. If you were a child of God, your finances wouldn't be messed up. If you were a child of God, your marriage be messed up if you were a child of God your kids wouldn't be messed up running wild if you were a child of God if you were really a disciple then these things wouldn't be happening to you and he catches you at your weakest moment when you were questioning that anyway he tries to get you but Jesus Jesus just says this it is written that man should not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in that moment, what he's really saying is this, is it doesn't matter what goes on in the world around me. It doesn't even matter what goes on in me. All that matters is him and what he said about me and what he thinks about me and what he knows about me. Everything that I need, I'll get from him. Everything I need, I'll get from him. I don't need nothing from you. Everything that I need, I will get from God because He is my provider and He is my Lord and He is my Father. And I will get what I need from Him, and I don't need anything else. And even if I die of starvation right here, right now, still, I have everything that I need because I am who He says that I am. Man, what a powerful statement. I don't need anything the world provides. All I need is the word of the living God, and I can live on it because it sustains me. It sustains me. It drives me. It heals me. It brought me back to life when I was dead. Man, I feel like preaching today. Somebody say amen. And so he couldn't get Jesus with the lust of the flesh because the power of God's love overcomes the lust of the flesh. And so he went on to the lust of the eyes. The Bible says that he took him up to a high place where he could see all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, All this, look at all this. Look at all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus, I'll give you all these things. And all you've got to do is just bow down before me and just worship me. That's all. Just worship me and I'll give you everything. Really, I mean, mean, Jesus knows that he's already the king. I mean, Jesus knows that it all already belongs to him, so, so let, let me give you what the enemy's really saying, and it comes down to what this whole sermon series is based on. I mean, the sermon series that we're in that has lasted from Christmas is going to go all the way through the end, through after Easter, it's called the cradle, the cross, and the crown. See, Jesus is king, king of kings and lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, but the you understand that there's a process? See, the process for him to be crowned is the cradle, the cross, and then the crown. What the enemy is saying to him is if you'll come worship me, you can go straight from the cradle to the crown, and I'll help you avoid the cross. See, the enemy's always trying to give us the easy way oh, there's no suffering, oh, there's no pain. Oh, there's no heartache. There's no trauma. Come with me. I'll give you the desires of your eyes. I'll give you everything that you ever thought you wanted. Put your focus on me and take your focus on what's off, what's real. And so the enemy's telling him, I'll I'll help you skip the cross altogether. You can go from the cradle to the crown, You can rule it all. And all you have to do is just fall down and just worship me. And everything will be... Two ways that Jesus could have failed (laughs) different ways now we, 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 the one's really obvious to us right? The one's obvious I mean, he could have just fallen down on his knees and just worshipped the enemy and just I mean can you imagine Jesus worshipping the devil no we can't because it doesn't make any sense but he could have done it because he's free I mean I mean, his, his fear of the cross his, his pain the shame the agony the torment of the cross could have been enough and it would have been for most of us let's not lie let's be real with each other here it would be enough the the, the, the fear of the cross, of death, of of being forsaken by God, man, those things would be enough to drive most of us into the arms of the enemy. But not Jesus. And so he doesn't fall down on his knees and worship the devil. And he's not going to. But here's the other way that Jesus could have failed this. I think some of us don't see this as well as we should. (laughs) Let me get JR's mic. Golly, that's hot. Here's the other way that Jesus could have failed that test. He could have looked the devil square in the face and been like worship you you want me to worship you raggedy old horned up devil You think i'm gonna fall on my knees and worship you i spoke this whole place into existence as a matter of fact i probably spoke you into existence bow down and worship you you know what would be right devil is if you just bowed down on your knees right now and you just worshiped me i mean can you see the transformation taking place those of you that were in our small group not this last time but the one before when we talked about like you know like let the little children come to me Jesus but then he morphs into Revelation chapter 1 Jesus and he's got fire in his eyes and his skin looks like smelted bronze and he's standing there and he's like yeah devil on your knees now and he forces the enemy down on his knees and receives his worship. he could have failed like that too I need you to understand that he could have failed like that too but he doesn't he doesn't instead of worshiping the enemy instead of claiming the worship of the enemy, he takes it and he points it at the Father. And Jesus responds to him and says, it is written, we shall worship the Lord and serve him only, unexpected, out of left field. I want to tell you here today that temptation cannot be overcome without worship. You can't. Temptation can't be overcome without worship. And I don't necessarily mean the 30 to 45 to 58-minute part of service where we play songs at the beginning. I mean a posture of the heart. I mean a posture of the heart in worship to where our adoration and our love overflows from us to the Father. That's what worship is. And music sure helps us do it, don't get me wrong. My favorite part of the service But without worship, we can't overcome temptation. Because if we're not willing to worship God, then we're spending our time worshiping ourselves. And that's just true. You're going to worship something. You need to worship God. You need to pull the worship off yourself and put it on God. You need to pull the worship off your spouse and put it on god you need to pull the worship off your kids yes i said it you need to stop worshiping your kids and worship god kids are good as being kids kids are terrible at being god somebody say amen stop worshiping your kids worship god and teach them to worship god don't sit them up as idols because when you sit them up as idols you're setting them up for failure and we don't want to sit them up for failure we want to set them up for success to set your kids up for success teach them to worship god somebody say amen and teach them that they might have to walk through a wilderness before they ever get to walk on water i'm just saying worshiping your job maybe you have a great job and that's awesome don't worship it they'll fire you and replace you tomorrow stop worshiping your bank account maybe you've got a lot of money that's fine pay your tithe maybe you don't have a lot of money stop worrying about it go to work it'll be fine stop worshiping anything that is not the lord stop worshiping your sports car your bass boat man stop stop those things are gonna crumble to dust one day faith and hope and love will be left if we're gonna overcome temptation in our lives we have to worship it is the only way we have to deflect the worship off of ourselves and put it onto god we have to deflect the worship off the things of the world Put it on God. It is the only way to live a successful life. It's the only way to see the chains of addiction and temptation and and, and pain and torment and shame and guilt broken in your life is to take all your worship, all your adoration, all your love, everything in your life and point it at God because that is how we do this thing. That is how we have success in life. That is how we overcome the attacks of the enemy. That is how we overcome, you know, what's called the lust of the eyes from the book of 1 John in chapter 2. That's how we do it. That's how Jesus did it. It's how Jesus did it too. And that's how that we ought to do it too. It's through worship. It's through worship. But when that doesn't work, you you know what? Are you willing to worship God today? I mean, are you? I mean, are you willing to worship God today? Are you willing to just put yourself to the side and just worship God today? Man, we'll have that opportunity here in just a second. So the enemy can't distract, can't deceive, can't talk Jesus into sin through his flesh, can't deceive, distract, talk Jesus into sin through his eyes. So he tries to take his life. The book of luke says that he took him to the highest part of the temple you know the the messianic scriptures they they believe from something in the book of malachi that the the savior the messiah was going to appear at the pinnacle of the temple the highest part of the temple in jerusalem and and so the enemy took jesus there and and he said if you are the son of god then jump off the side of this temple it was about 150 feet to the ground about 450 into the kidron valley because it is written that the angels have orders concerning you that they'll catch you with their hands and that they won't even let your foot you know touch the stone so just jump just jump really what he's saying is this if god loved you you wouldn't have to suffer like this if god loved you you wouldn't have to go through this pain if god loved you you wouldn't have to go through this torment if god really loved you if he really loved you you wouldn't have to die and he uses scriptures to do it but they're twisted up see see they're 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 not right it says you know it shows the devil quoting the scripture but but it's not right it's it's twisted up it's mangled You know, a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago there was this person that like launched this attack against our church and was saying all this stuff and made all these threats, actually made death threats against some of the family of our one of our ministry leaders. And they kept using scripture to back up what they were saying. I mean they they actually threatened some of the children of one of our ministry leaders. And they used scriptures to do it. They were twisting it up and mangling it and just using it for darkness. And that's what the devil does here. He said the, the enemy said he'll give he'll give his angels orders concerning you to protect you and they'll support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone But here's what the scripture really says. It's from Psalm 91. It says if you say The Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You'll tread on a lion and a cobra. You'll trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I'll protect him for he acknowledges my name. He'll call on me and I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him with life with a long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And so Jesus answered him and said, do not test the Lord your God. But here's what he's really saying. Devil, I don't need to test God because I trust God. I don't need to test God because I trust God. And I trust the plan that he has for me. And the enemy's saying to him, but if he loved you, you wouldn't have to suffer. If he loved you, you wouldn't have to die. If he loved you, you wouldn't have to do all these things. And Jesus is just saying, man, it's because of God's love that I have to suffer. It's because of God's love that I have to die. It's because of God's love that I'm going to do everything that I've been called on to do. Jesus is saying to the enemy, man, you and me both know how this turns out. See, See, some people present it like it was a surprise to the enemy what happened at the cross. Some people present it like the devil didn't know what the plan was, that it was like a secret to him, and like when when Jesus died on the cross that he thought that he had won. The Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the earth. The plan was well known. And that's why the enemy did everything that he could to stop it. And so if Jesus is not willing to go to the cross, if he's going to test God by jumping off the precipice to see whether or not... But he's gonna make it to the cross and everything is lost Because Jesus's trust for God is lost I Like this scripture because it ends by saying this in Luke chapter 4 It says and Jesus answered him It is said do not trust the Lord your God then it goes on to verse 13 It says after the devil had finished every temptation. He departed from him for a time You know when he comes back he comes back as Jesus is hanging on the cross crucified Do you know how I know that he comes back as Jesus is hanging on the cross crucified because I know what he sounds like The unrepentant thief that was hanging next to Jesus The crowd that was speaking to him They said if you are the son of God Then come down off that cross and save your Self, do you hear him? Do, do you hear him? I mean, do you hear the enemy? Do you know what he sounds like? Do you know what he sounds like in your life? I mean, if you are, if you are, if you are always trying to question your identity in God, always trying to question the path that the Lord has laid out before you, always trying to destroy what God is trying to build up. If you're the son of God, then come off that cross and save yourself. And if he saves himself, then he's doomed all of us but see that's not the kind of god that he is that's not the kind of love that he has see jesus had to die because of god's love but not because of god's love for himself because of god's love for you the enemy's going to try to do anything that he can To get you to claim any identity other than the one that God has spoken over you Anything He wants you to latch on to that identity of addict, so you can never be free He wants you to latch on to that identity as cheater and adulterer so you could never be free He wants you to latch on to that identity of judger and gossip, so you could never be free But you know, it's not just that Sometimes he deceives us into things that look so good. He wants you to latch on to your identity as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a teacher, as who you are. He wants you with talent to lock onto your identity as oh I'm a singer. Oh, I'm an artist. I'm a speaker I'm a mother I'm a wife I'm a husband a father the enemy will try to get you to latch on to that as your identity and to determine your self worth based on that based on that on how well you perform as a speaker as a pianist as a nurse because if we can ever lock our identity into our performance then we've already lost because we're all going to fall and we're all going to fail and we're all going to have moments where we're not the best mother that we could have been not the best father that we could have been We're going to have moments where we fail at our job. I'm going to have moments in my ministry where I fail at ministry like I talked about from a few months ago. And if I base my identity on doing badly at those things or if I base my identity on how well I do those negative things because, man, when I was on drugs, I was really good at it. If we base our identity on how well we perform in sin or how poorly we perform in the the things that are celebrated by our society, then we're always going to come up short. We're always going to come up short. And that's why Jesus didn't say to the enemy, when, when he said, turn these stones into the bread, Jesus didn't say, oh no, I'm the best faster that you've ever seen. I'll fast for 40 more days. No, he said, I get everything I need from God. And that's why when, when the devil said, just bow down and worship me. That's why Jesus didn't t- say, hey man, really you need to be worshiping me. No, he said, man, I'm just gonna worship God. I'm just gonna worship God you do what you want but watch me And and that's why when the enemy took him up to the temple and said, okay, jump And Jesus was like man, I don't need to test God because I trust God So whatever kind of wilderness that you find yourself in This is your identity Bought and paid for proclaimed to the whole world a child of God a child of God a child of the Most High God not because of what you did because of what He did and you can't fail at it because He never fails and He never changes And he loves you just as much today as he did yesterday, and just as much as he will tomorrow. So you put your faith in him and you find your identity in him, then it'll never fail you. It'll never let you go. It doesn't matter what's been done to you, you're a child of God. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many mistakes that you've made, does it, Whitney? It doesn't matter. you put your faith in Him, if you open your heart to Him to receive Him, then you're a child of God that identity can carry you through when everything else seems to have failed you. And that identity can carry you through when you're tempted to do whatever. And that identity can bring you back from the edge of death because it's all that matters. So, man, if you don't know Him, you are in a wilderness maybe you do and you've just walked back out in there because that's what we do way too often man this is your moment to either come to him or to come back to him to find your identity in who Jesus says that you are you can't ever run far enough away there's there's not too much baggage that he can't release you from it it doesn't matter how many pieces that your life is broken into man he's the master craftsman and he'll put you back together better than ever before and you may be thinking man I, I can't overcome the temptation in my life yes you can man he set the example for us And then he gave his life so that you could have the same spirit that he has.